everybody. This is your host, Bill, and you're listening to the Late to Grid podcast. This is a podcast about motorsports and getting on track. I interview the guys and gals who work hard all week to be weekend warriors. I also interview professionals in the motorsports community that can help you and your racing. If you are into racing, and more specifically SCCA, NASA, Track Days, HPDE, and Endurance Racing, this is the show for you. My goal is to share the stories and inspiration that will grow our sport. In this episode, I interview Vinny Tabai, who is an autocross and time trials racer who is super active in the Indianapolis region of the SCCA. When I created this podcast, my goal was to interview guests like Vinny. Lots of energy, lots of ideas, and he's a great example of what the progression looks like to go from volunteering to being behind the wheel. Vinny highlights that it's all about seat time and novice drivers should be less concerned with upgrades and more focused on seat time. Here's an awesome quote he shares. Come for the cars, stay for the people. That's really what our sport is about, right? Lastly, he shares a great overview of a time trials event. Vinny is certainly a future leader in the SCCA. Stay tuned after the interview for a few updates. Well, welcome to another edition of the Late to Grid podcast. This is your host, Bill Snow, and I am joined tonight by Vinny Tabai. I butchered that, didn't I? No, you actually got it right. Did I really? Yeah. Oh man. All right. We're gonna we're gonna leave that I'm in. We're not gonna... even used to that. <laughs> <laughs> I get so nervous with last names, Vinny. Hey, it's great to have you on the uh, podcast tonight. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so let me do a little introduction here. Vinny is the time trials chair and social media director for the Indianapolis region of the SCCA. He grew up not too far from me over in Pittsburgh. And um this is a question we usually get to, and I want to dive into it a little bit deeper here in a minute, but the Greenwich Grand Prix, which is very popular in Pittsburgh, is kind of what got you interested mm-hmm. and, uh, and inspired. Um, but again, thanks for being here and uh, being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. All right, so let's talk a little bit more about your motorsports background, Vinny. Is this where it started, the Vintage Grand Prix in Pittsburgh? That was the like spark that ignited the fire. But the foundation of that was even before that. Um, growing up in the early 90s, that was like kind of the golden era for like NASCAR and Champ Car before the IndyCar split. Yeah. And uh, like my parents were, my dad was big into that. And he used to have this like NASCAR game made by Papyrus. And I guess came full circle because he used to let me play that when I was two or three years old, just pretty much on Talladega it was the easiest track it came full circle because that company actually developed into iRacing which I got back into during the pandemic but that was kind of my first start and then I think because of that of the racing I loved cars so a lot of people like cars first and then get into racing and I was kind of the opposite where it was kind of in my DNA and then I have a car passion for cars because of that and then that was always just all like in the hot wheels and all that stuff and then early elementary school i went to advantage grand prix for the first time and i was like wow like these guys these are just regular guys driving like these old porsches and stuff which i had i was a big porsche fanboy and i was like that could be me someday like i want one of those like i had no idea how much a porsche 356 cost (laughs) which they're insane right now but I, i just see these guys whipping around in shemley park and that was just like stars in my eyes. And I just never, that <laughs> never went away. That's awesome. So how long have you lived in Indy? 
Uh, I moved here in 2010. My first attempt at college uh, had to stop for some health issues and I'm back at it again, but I ended up staying for all the race car stuff. We didn't, Pittsburgh, like I mentioned before, we were talking, they didn't really like, pit race didn't really exist. It was still Beaver Run. And people, like, I grew up in the South Hills and people just didn't really talk about it much. Like, they just, there wasn't this big following for like racing and amateur sports car stuff. And then when I moved to Indiana, it was kind of like everywhere. Yeah. And then I had an internship and my boss for an engineering internship. My boss actually was an old club racer from the seventies and eighties. And he's like, why don't you go club or why don't you go autocross? And he's like, you volunteer at NASA events. That's I honestly, before that, I just searched in Google. I was like, how do you be a race? How to become a race car driver? And you're like, volunteer at your local club race. And then like the only one local was like a NASA event in Chicago. I went up there and volunteered, did a couple of volunteer days. And then he's like, why aren't, why aren't you autocrossing then? And kind of started with that. Drove my parents' automatic Impreza. They had let me drive for college. They were very upset because they looked up European autocross. And I guess that's like like global rally cross where you're like banging doors. <laughs> so they had no idea what it was. And they called me like yelling at me one time. So then after that, I got my own car and started with like an 89 Civic SI that I was going to build for STC. The year after I bought it, STC went away. Wow. So I sold that and then got a CRX. And the CRX really taught me patience and how to like actually wrench on cars. It was very competitive for the price. I think I was maybe four or five thousand dollars into it and I could was doing very well with it, but it was breaking all the time and I'd replaced every single thing in the entire car at one point or another so we had a love-hate relationship um ended up getting rid of that car for so because i got a really clean integra with a swap in it that's still my project that i thought it was going to be a quick project and then i just kind of got lazy with it so i bought a miata because the integra was taking too long and then i had two projects at one time so i autocross and track that which I just got started getting into the last couple of years. I've been was volunteering with SCCA for time when the time trials program was revitalized and then ended up becoming the program chair for that. So I've been trying to run, I've been actually running in the novice group and running that program at the same time. So that was a lot of fun. And uh, also picked up a CRX during COVID for next to nothing it's going to be a champ car project with some of my friends so got a lot of things going on <laughs> for sure man you've got you had some cool cars in your in your background civic si srx integra do you still have the integra i do um it actually is a it was basically um a california car that didn't have a title I ended up in tennessee and the guy had all the paperwork for it and it was a friend of a friend and I was like, oh, it's cheap enough. I'll just buy it and try to get a title. And uh, went through all the documentation. Someone had owned it. It only had like 50,000 miles on it. It had a prelude motor, like rust-free, super clean. Like there's like still zinc plating on the bolts. And like you can still see the factory torque specs on like the ABS lines and stuff. And it's just, um, it wasn't running. And I went through all the paperwork and it looked like someone had their house foreclosed and the car was like in the garage. And the bank didn't own the car, so they like took the car to like the tow yard, and then they like tried to contact the guy to like come get it out. 
and he just like never responded. So then they could like legally sell the car from the tow yard, but they like didn't have a title because it didn't have it didn't pass emissions or something. Oh. So it was like this huge story. And then I filed all the paperwork to Indiana and they just mailed me a title in like four weeks. <laughs> no way. Yeah, they're like, it's not stolen. And they like they went through all the paperwork and then they like they had all the documentation. So I didn't have to go to court or anything. But then they like mailed me the title for the car and then went through a lot bunch of stuff. Like the guy like had actually installed the fuel pump upside down. Huh. So it was actually fuel starving, which is why it wasn't running. Oh. And then so like right now it really just needs an exhaust. I've done like a lot to it. I've just been I don't really want to take it to a shop to get it welded up. <laughs> yeah. Wow, so you got yourself a clean Integra. Nice. And then uh what year Miata do you have? Uh 91. So it's the really light, really slow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Extra really slow. <laughs> but really fun. It's very fun. Yeah. So in, um, we're going to come back to the champ car stuff. Where do you autocross in Indy? Where's, where's the big lots? Um, so we actually are very lucky. We don't, we only race in a parking lot like once or twice a year. We, um, have an air force base, um, Grism Aeroplex. Oh yeah. So that's where like, if you see like the Peru champ tour, the national tour stuff, um, that's actually Indianapolis region. It's a, just a, like an hour north of the city. Uh, we kind of share that site with some other Indiana regions, but um, we're like the primary event holders for Grism. Nice. Yeah, it's nice to be able to have that sort of pavement at your, you know, in your region. Yeah, you can really spread your wings. Everyone's like, oh, it's just driving in a parking lot. And I'm like, I've seen some third gear courses where you're going into a slalom like 80 miles an hour. And it's like, it's it's pretty tough. It's, yeah, it's not it's does it's not not like you shouldn't knock it like some people try to do. <laughs> mm, yeah, exactly. And then where do, what track do you time trial at? Our local track is Putnam Park. Uh, we went back there starting in 2016, and we're also expanding to Gingerman, and with some of the help of some of the other Indiana regions, which is that that's kind of a famous track. That's like the time attack benchmark for the Midwest. Yeah. So moving from auto, so moving from volunteer, this is, you have the, like the perfect progression, Vinny. Mm -hmm. So you have this interest, and then you go and volunteer. And then you get a couple people that invite you, nudge you, you autocross. And then you do time trial. And now you're talking about champ car endurance racing. You have like the, the great progression that we really hope people want to be able to take in our sport. So what advice would you give somebody that's maybe a little bit nervous about moving from volunteering to doing behind the wheel stuff? Um, I think the biggest thing is that it's not as difficult to get started as people like to make it out to be. I always hear, Oh, my car's not ready. You need this coilovers. Or I need this exhaust. Or I need all these, like this, all these engine mods, and all these power mods. And honestly, it's the worst thing you can do then you get started and they're like oh what class are you in oh you're gonna go up against this purpose-built machine because you put a smaller pulley on your supercharger like you like or a subaru you took the cat out of your downpipe which everybody does because that's how you get power you get the three inch downpipe and just that throws you in to like the highest classes and it's just the best thing to do is just go out and get seat time and like it's everybody that I've 
been like went and like raced with has been so friendly and like you just ask questions and like learn and that's like one of the things that i'm just like if you have a question just speak up like i'm not the most outgoing person in the world but if you ask me a question i will like make sure that i answer that question <laughs> and make sure that you understand and if i don't know the answer i will point you to someone who does and i think everybody does that and like sgca i've always said like you come for the cars you stay for the people so it's just just drive don't don't fin i mean obviously make sure your car's safe but like just get out and drive come for the cars stay for the people that's what you said yeah i love it so th there's two golden nuggets right there you just gave the listeners the the advice of don't wait for it to be perfect don't wait for this don't try to do all this stuff just get in the seat and drive and then you, you come for the cars and you stay for the people. So tell the listeners that may not be familiar with SCCA, what is it about the club members that makes it so special? Um, if I only came to race my car, I would have gotten bored with it in like two years. I mean, you just go out and you run courses, you get good at it, or maybe you just never get good at it. If it's not your thing, or maybe your car is just not quite the right one for the class. But then like, if that's, your end game you're probably going to be kind of miserable where if you really just are out there you make friends you enjoy what you do you just keep working to get better and like i mean we're all passionate about this it's like i've i, I it's it's the weirdest thing i always tell people it's like i was actually leading a, a, a presentation and it was like i have friends who just walked across their the, the stage for their high school graduation just got their diploma and I have friends who are retired. They're old enough to be my grandpa. <laughs> and like, it's strange. Like I have other friends like from, that are not in the cars and they don't understand. Like they don't have this like huge demographic of friends that I do just because we all have like this one passion. So we talked about the people of motorsport, motorsports and that's what you like. What is it? Is there anything else about motorsports that keeps you coming back? Is there something about being behind the wheel, having the helmet on, anything else? Oh, I mean, it was just like I mentioned earlier, it was just like a lifelong dream. Like, I mean, it was just kind of embedded in my DNA three years old. That, <laughs> and it's just something like my parents are like, oh, he'll outgrow it. And I never did. <laughs> like, I had this little like pedal cat car. And like, I mean, I grew up in Pittsburgh, but I had a really rectangular shaped driveway. And when they parked in the car and the driveway, I could like drive around them. And it was very like rectangular shape. And I just said it was Indianapolis, <laughs> which incredibly ironic because I, I mean i was four years old never had any ambition to move to indianapolis that time obviously <laughs> yeah and here you are yeah it's just it's just in my dna i think <laughs> <laughs> um so uh let's let's talk a little bit more about last season for you personally 2021 season did um you autocross and time trial right yeah how'd your season go so last year was rough because I was working night shift, which was a failed experiment. I decided to go back to school in March and started like halfway through a semester, switched the night shift to accommodate my schedule. Uh, the job was very toxic and I was little did I know I was on my way out to a much better job, but I didn't know at the time. So first half of the season I was working like I mean when I say night shift I was 11 p.m to 7 a.m which oh. I can't do it I'm not that I can work second shift all day 
all day long. As long as it's still dark when I come home, I can sleep, but I just could not sleep. I would be like up 24 straight hours and miserable and the job was very toxic. So that was a rough start. I had just became the uh, time trials chair. So my trans my transition year, I was essentially like the assistant chair before that. So I was doing a lot of marketing and a lot of the other stuff on race day, but I wasn't driving. So this was like my year. I finally got my roll bar that took nine months because of COVID. Mm. Um, they quoted me four weeks, took nine months. So I missed the last event of 2020. So I was all excited. I was working night shifts. So it was miserable. And then <laughs> it was just a rough year. And then ended up getting a better job, switching to days, kind of finished up the year on day shift and ended up uh, kind of like, I'm going to say the, uh, I'm stumbling around here. <laughs> Second event was much better, but just learning, like not having much sleep, running an event, driving at the same time was a lot. Mm-hmm. And I just think next year I have a lot more planned and i'm a lot more organized going in since i know what to expect so like that definitely 2021 was a year that was a rough transition understood yeah it is a lot when you have a lot going on at home like with work then you're going Mm -hmm. to school then you're working with the region you're at the event and then you're also trying to run the event trying to participate that's a lot for sure what do you have for autocross i didn't really have much of a responsibility i mean i do social media so i was like helping with pictures and stuff but mm-hmm. um there was a couple where i had to work weekends and i literally drove right to the autocross like after getting off work and my uh car decided to throw the serpentine belt <laughs> in the last corner of the last run <laughs> no way so luckily like it runs the water pump so like nothing bad happened so i pretty much just coasted through the finish line when I realized I had no power steering and then parked it. But I had to like go to this part store, get a new serpentine belt, change the belt. Then by the time I got home, I got like three hours of sleep. Oh man. <laughs> and then I had to, I had to go uh, back to work. And then I was like, should I go to the second day of autocross? And I was like, I don't, I just don't think I care enough at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's certainly uh, not the kind of uh, memories you want from an autocross. What does uh what does 2022 look like for you behind the wheel? Um, well, I think the car is in decent shape. It only really needs like the timing belt stuff done, which I can get away with if I really wanted to because it's a non-interference engine. But um, it's something I've been putting off. So I think the prep for the car shouldn't be too much, but I'm planning on running our full season. So it'll be my first trip to Gingerman to actually drive. Um uh, two days at Putnam and I kind of want to do the national tour at uh, TT at Gingerman as well and uh, autocross is going to take a little bit of a back back seat I'll still go to some of the events but that's primarily going to be to recruit some of our members to come out to TT events so I'll probably put a nice little windshield banner it says in, in the SCCA time trials on the car and then try to talk people into spreading their wings a little bit on the track yeah. When you do the time trial events, is it a true time trial? Do you do any um, track sprints? Um, so track sprints, I think, are awesome. And I think that a lot of regions are very lucky that are able to host them. Unfortunately, the track rental cost at Putnam is extremely high, and we cannot recuper- recuperate the uh, 
rental rate at how much a track sprint would cost. I mean, it's a lower entry fee. Right. So we, we don't really have the ability to do that there. Um, with the addition of Gingerman, we may be able, like, this is still a very big maybe, and it's definitely not for this year, but maybe in 23, we're like, looking at the possibility of maybe like a Friday night track sprint, um, if depending on how much they would rent the track for, since that's a time that nobody really uses the track from like kind of like what Track Night of America is. Yep. But to do a sprint like before a time trial weekend, that's still a big maybe. And I haven't really talked to anyone about it yet, but that's something that I've, maybe in the in the pipeline. Got it. And what class is your Miata in for time trial? Um, so it's actually really dumb, but it's in max five because it came with a like butterfly brace <laughs> and they're just horribly uh, outclassed in sports six and 205. So I was like, well, I guess I'll just um, build the car however I want and then deal with it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, now I can do like arrow and all those fun things. And if, if I do blow up the engine, I guess I can GVT swap it since that's not too difficult. Yeah. So earlier your comment about, you know, putting mods on the car that put you out of class, the previous owner put that, the butterfly on. Yeah. He actually didn't even put it on. He gave it to me in the wrapping still. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. But it's just with the, the way the classing is like T5, all the NV Miatas are pretty much the ones to have. Sport six, it's the BRZ. So it's like I'm gonna be outclassed wherever I am. Mm -hmm. So I might as well just do do something fun. Let's talk about the indie region a little bit. Um, so we when we started off uh introducing you, time trials chair and the social media director uh for the indie region. So talk a little bit about the indie region. How big is it? Um, what are your strong programs? Is there a big road racing? presence, that sort of stuff. So we're about five to 600 members. Um, and unfortunately, we actually do not have a club race program at the time. Um, with Indianapolis uh, Raceway Park, or IRP, the, uh, they basically went to focus on drag racing and didn't meet safety requirements anymore. This was probably 2008, 2009 before I got here. So like the SCCA basically revoked their like safety permit or whatever they do for their track inspection. It didn't pass anymore. So we actually can't have any events there. Um, for whatever reason, Putnam Park doesn't allow SCCA club racing. That was before my time. Hmm. Not really sure what happened there. Um, so unfortunately that is something that was very huge for our region. It just doesn't really exist anymore without having a like local track that supports it um so our big program is actually autocross where we get we used to be able to get 100 to 120 cars per event um running at grism so big following time trials is pretty new we had a it was originally a track events program or pdx whatever the scca called it mm -hmm. and it was kind of failing miserably because we were only getting like 30 cars and it wasn't making ends meet. And then whenever the time trials program re was revitalized by the SCCA, we saw a huge increase in participation. And then we started putting a lot more effort into the program. And it's, um, it's been pretty successful ever since. Uh, we also have a road rally program. It's really hard to judge the success of a road rally program, but I know that Wendy puts on great events. She's on the national road rally board. 
Um, it's just not really geared towards my demographic, but it's something that the region is very successful with as well. Yeah. That's, that, that's a huge car count for the autocross. I mean, you've, you've yeah. got the big facility, but uh, that's great. And just think about your idea of getting some of those folks moved over to time trial or for them to experience it. And you mm -hmm. can really, really grow the program. And we actually, since we're really the only region in Indiana that has time trials, um, I've the other solo chairs have been great to work with. And they requested my, but this year I requested to them to avoid that weekend if at all possible with events. And I think every single one, except for one region, has like one event on one of the days. They've all were extremely great to work with because I was like, this is a program that we're financially responsible for. But like all, all of the members are benefiting. Like we get people from Fort Wayne, we get people from INR, we get people from South Bend. And it's something that like we want, we really need to like work together to like make it successful. Yeah. So let's um, assume for a second that a listener right now is asking, what the heck is time trials? So what does the time trials weekend look oh. like for the NDSCCA? So I generally ask them when they ask this, which I, we actually worked at World of Wheels last weekend. So I was asked this quite a bit. Um, if they know what a regular track day is like. So then depending on that answer is how I answer the question. If they don't know, then I'll explain from the very beginning of HPD and how you can get your car on track. And it's great because most people don't even know that. Most people that are not in the car or not within the club or following this podcast even probably have no idea. It's something that I don't think is advertised very well to like just the normal car community. Um, but if they are aware of what track days are, the first part of the track day or the first part of the event is a normal track day. Um, now you come in get your car checked, you, um, novices will have after the driver, all the drivers meeting first, novices will go to the timing tower and they'll have their classroom meeting. Advanced drivers will get on the track, uh, during the morning, it's just open lapping 20, um, the only difference is you have a transponder on your car and we'll give you a rank after the session so that you can get into that grid spot. So then we kind of start sorting the faster cars out at the front of the grid and the slower cars in the back of the grid. So it's like a regular track day, except for there's even less passing because the faster people are put out front. And then the farther you get in the day, the more sorted that gets, a little bit more accurate. Um, then in the afternoon, we go into like time trial sessions or the competition sessions. So for this is where every region kind of does it a little differently. We'll even do it a little differently depending on the day just to kind of spice it up. Um, so sometimes we just have 20 minute sessions and we just record your best lap and then we'll combine the two sessions and then your combined time is what your score is. Next year, we're going to go to three sessions and record your best two. So if you just go out there and have a bad session or get caught in traffic or some, someone in front of you just goes off and you have to slow down for a yellow, your tires overheated at that point you have a bad run and you can just scratch that session and not worry about it um some but then we've also thought about going to what the new time trials nationals is going to do is they're going to split everyone into four sessions and have 15 minute sessions instead of 20 so then i mean you're not going to get your best lap after three or four anyway so to shorten the session and have less cars on track 
And we've also done a true time attack session where we literally sent you out. You had one hot lap, one out lap, two or three hot laps, and then a cool down lap. So you were only on track for like eight minutes, but it was like pretty intense for those eight minutes. Yeah. Um, we've had a lot of like good feedback for that, but I felt like they weren't getting the track time that they paid for necessarily. So it's something that's like, I like doing that every now and then, but I don't want to do it every single time. But that's kind of how a typical day goes. And we'll do like trophies at the end of the day. Our events actually, our region actually has a regional series. So it's kind of like autocross. A lot of the autocross regions will have like year end points and then they'll have trophies at the end of the year. We do the same thing and we get like these uh, plasma tracks. And shout out to you guys. They did uh, these awesome trophies. They're like outlines of Putnam Park with our logo on them. And uh, they're pretty nice. So that's kind of it. And um, Saturdays, we always have like a social event after the uh, after the day. Putnam's a little more difficult because they kind of kick us out at 6 p.m. So we usually go and get pizza and we'll buy pizza for whoever wants to like go hang out afterwards. Um, Gingerman, we're probably going to have a cookout. And then since we can actually camp there. But we also we want to have that like social atmosphere at the end of the day. Wow, that's um. Um, <laughs> that's a great explanation of a time trial weekend. I love it. Um, and I'm, we're going to call attention to that and some of the promos we do. If someone wants to learn more, they're going to listen to you explain it. Um, <laughs> so for the, for the novice that's listening, so, you know, they start off in the morning after they do their car and tech, maybe you've done some crazy yeah. laps or something. Is there, is there a little coaching for them throughout the day? So that is something that I did forget to mention. Um, under SCCA rules, everybody has a coach. So there's a novice coach, intermediate coach, and advanced coach. The novices will always will all report back to the timing tower, and they'll go back in, um, meet with the novice coach, who's like the novice instructor. And uh, our our um, novice instructor, Chris Finnegan, who it's actually really funny because he uses your picture. You use a picture of him on your Instagram, the green Miata. Uh, 174 i've seen it on your instagram oh really uh, that's actually how i found out about the podcast but <laughs> he's our novice instructor i'm pretty sure that was at, like ncm or something but, oh, uh, the, the he, neo ohio instagram uh, i thought it was on yours oh. but it might have been neo ohio i've seen that might have been on both too yeah um but uh yeah so like he he actually has a great powerpoint and he um he runs in different, like he runs NASA, SCCA and some other stuff. So I told him, I was like, here's the SCCA requirements for like novice instruction. Whatever else do you want to go beyond that? Be my guest. Because the best instructors are not one-dimensional. They're the guys that run your life. They're the guys that run NASA. The guys that run SCCA. They've seen everything. And he's phenomenal with that. He's a very fast spec Miata driver. He's a time trial national champion. And uh, so he knows how to do both. And he made a very, very good PowerPoint and he goes through and like works with the novices and answers questions and then tries to um, get them comfortable behind the wheel and faster throughout the day. So like the novices kind of like work that way, intermediate and advanced there. They also have debriefs after the session. Debriefs are very different for each group. So like intermediate, I'm looking for the guys that think they're sent out there. They're just, <laughs> they need to like reel back in a little bit just think they're like god's gift to the world after they've like they just got through advanced novice in three weeks and 
So I kind of reel those guys back in and kind of like coach them that like, Hey, like you guys got to work together to get your fastest laps, kind of like remind them that like you want to drive the car home at night <laughs> after the event, the advanced group, those guys, they're easy. I very rarely have any issues with any of them. They generally report track conditions to me that I can, when I'm doing the advanced coaching, I know I'm a novice driver, but I do advanced coaching, but <laughs> they actually uh, report stuff like, oh, like we had an oil slick, like we had an uh, Evo throw a rod and it made it an awful mess. Ooh. And they're like, there's an oil slick at turn one. You had to kind of go offline to get into the turn one. Otherwise you're going to go off the track. Well, I look out there and our intermediate or novice groups out there. I'm like, well, hey, black flag to session. Like we got to get them off track. Like we got to yeah. clean it up because these guys, like, they know, like, if there's something weird on the track, like, to go around it, like, they, like, early apex to turn, which you never do, and that do not early apex turn one, but, like, they're just so aware of everything going on, how the track should be, that they can relate to us when something's not right. Or, like, in the morning, they're, like, track's a little cold, grass is very wet. If you go too off, like, you're going to go for a ride through the, the wet grass, and, like, they can relay that to me so I can talk to the other coaches and be like, hey, warn your guys that if they go off, they're going to have a bad time that, to take it easy because until the track warms up and the grass, like, the dew dries up. So, everyone has kind of their coaching sessions, but and that's under time trial rules, but it's all different based off of, like, the experience level and it's catered to, like, the needs of the drivers. Yeah. Hey, one thing I forgot to ask you about, uh, back to the champ car stuff. So what, what are your plans? Is that going to be a this year thing and next year thing? Um, so we bought that. Basically I bought it in 2020. I had some friends that wanted to do it and I found a really clean Honda CRX for the right price. It was like $2,000 running and driving, which is incredible before the, like the auto industry market just went through the roof. Yeah. And I just bought it and I'm like, all right, I guess the buy-in is going to be like $2,000. <laughs> we'll just start working on it. <laughs> and it's lived in my friend's pole barn ever since. Uh, he's actually my assistant chair for the time trial events now. Um, but the plan, we've heard from a little birdie that this endurance series might be back at IMS. We don't know if that's true or not, but we're kind of planning, hoping that it might be. Hmm. in 2023 i don't i that's not official by any means i know yeah. but we've heard that maybe so we kind of just want to be ready in case it is because that's always like it's a bucket list track for all of us oh heck yeah did you listen to the episode that i had uh, bill and dana on from yeah it's great yeah. Right. yeah i mean i'm i'm hoping i know roger penske doesn't really like some amateur organizations he's like sec runoffs are like the only the pinnacle of amateur and that should be the only thing there and i know that's his opinion but i think doug bowles has a di different idea of what <laughs> what we should be doing at ims so hopefully he can prevail yeah oh that that'd be great to to get champ car back there and a lot of people knock that track off their bucket list it seems that the entry fees the way they are it seems like it might have to be like an every other year thing just because mm -hmm. It's very, very expensive, but it's something that I think enough people will continue to want that it could be viable. Yeah. Got to pay for all those improvements somehow, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about Indy SCCA a little bit more. Um, so 
tell me about more about the social media. So um, you've got Facebook, Instagram. Uh, have you started the TikTok yet? That's actually in the works for the summer. We don't have any co video content, though. That's our problem. You got to have but, uh my uh, my assistant chair is actually going to help me with that because he's got really big into it. So we have all these dumb ideas for promotion, promotional videos and <laughs> different trends that are going on. We're not I'm mean, we're not really like I'm not really that big into it. But like mm -hmm. now, since they kind of overcame into Instagram and I'm like seeing more car content, like the good content really stands out. And then some of it's just like awful and I can't stand to watch it. But like, yeah. I'm like, man, like we can get like I posted like a dumb thing of like Toto Wolf like throwing his headset down after yeah. like the incident in F1. I'm not sure if you're an F1 fan, but like it got so many views. It was just it was so dumb. But I was like, man, like we could do that like on the SCCA page. We get so many people out here that like don't know that we exist. <laughs> yeah. Well, even just um using TikTok to show um you know, maybe show a snippet from a driver's meeting or show a couple of cars yep. on track and, and what a time trial might look like in terms of some cars spaced out or safe passing. I think it's a great idea that you're, you're exploring. It is. And we're just going to put some like a little bit of music. I mean, we have, we're going to do some serious ones and then we're going to do some more like funny ones to try to get some laughs. But um, like even, I think John Krolwix, he's like the head, he was the head of the time trials for SCCA. He said that in South Carolina, they're making YouTube videos like, hey, I'm so-and-so, this is my car and doesn't require that much to get out. And I was like, I love that. But like maybe like cutting it to like 30 seconds and putting it into a reel would be like perfect. Oh, that's yeah. That's how short everyone's attention span is now. And just be like, hey, this is my Miata. It's nothing special. I bought, I got lucky and bought it before the market went upside down. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like it doesn't take much. Get get a helmet, put some like good brake fluid in your car, and make sure it's not leaking, and you're good to go. I think that's a script for a video right there. You just created, <laughs> you just wrote your first one. <laughs> yep, that's awesome. So, um, let's say someone is listening from the in, uh, Indianapolis area and they want to get more involved in SCCA. What what are some easy ways that they can uh, they can get involved, and who do they contact? Uh, for contact. You can go to our website. We have our regional website is IndySCCA.org. Our time trial specific West web uh, website is IndyTrackDays.com. There's contact information on all of those. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can message us. That, that all goes to me. Uh, my email is on those websites. Um, there's a lot of information about all of our different programs. Everyone's pretty helpful. So if you want to come out, we just recommend at least spectating um, we try to get as many people out as possible generally if you come out and spectate you're going to wish you would have drove anyway so oh yeah i recommend just coming out and bringing a helmet and do you guys um so pre-covid a lot of regions had loaner helmets for autocross or ride-alongs what, what do you guys mm -hmm. do you guys have stuff like that we did pre-covid we got rid of them during covid i don't really know what the plan is to get them back I just recommend, like, honestly, an open-faced helmet on Amazon, like an SA 2015, which isn't the current uh, Snell rating, but still going to be good for the next 10 years. You can get one for, like, $100, $120. Gotcha. And then what are some ways that somebody could get involved in the region? What would they be doing? Um. Well, yeah. there's a couple of different things you can do. Um, with autocross, you can just come right out and drive. It's pretty cheap. 
you don't really need anything special. You just need a vehicle. It's not going to roll over. So your track width has to be wider than the car is tall, which if it's a car, usually not a problem. Um, we also have a lot of volunteer options. This is something I didn't mention with time trials is I guess one of the big issues we've noticed in the track world is flaggers are getting harder and harder to come by because it's a volunteer's job. And at one time you could just, hey, your, your pay is being close to the race action. It's getting to the point where that doesn't really pay out anymore. People just like, oh, I have to drive two hours to the track just to hang out. Like, cool, but not that cool. So one of the things we do is we have a volunteer incentive program. So if you're kind of thinking about coming out, well, um, if you want to come work grid, I'll have somebody that's experienced that'll help you work grid. We'll give you a 20 minute session on track at the end of the day. If you get your car tech and it's legal and you have a helmet, you get a free 20 minute session at the end of the day. And we'll give you a hundred dollars off when you decide you want to come back and run. That's awesome. So I target a lot of college kids with that because they're willing to work so and um, they get something out of it. We'll feed them lunch, give them a free session at the end of the day, time permitting, and they'll get a hundred dollars per day. They all, they volunteer. So we can't really like paying them costs a lot of money, but if we mm -hmm. like discounts don't cost us as much and that way we um, can kind of like, we make sure that they kind of like get something that they deserve for their time and their effort. And I've also noticed that you get better volunteers when you do that because they obviously want to do a good job because they want to make sure they get that discount. If they just skip out on their assignment halfway through the day, they're probably not going to get the discount and not going to get the job on the track at the end of the day. So we get a better quality of volunteer and then they get something in return for their effort. So that's also a really easy way to drive. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you talked about um, ways to get a hold of the Indy SCCA and, and keep tabs on them. What about you personally? What if somebody wants to follow you as an individual or follow your team? Um, so my personal Instagram, pa.hoosier, as you probably could figure out from the podcast, they grew up in Pennsylvania and ended up in Indiana. I love it. That's creative. Um, team uh, Instagram is Lime Motorsports. And uh, that's going to feature what we're doing at the track. And it's also going to feature the CRX build when we get around to starting that. And if you want to email me, indiescatt uh, at gmail.com. And I'll be happy to answer any kind of emails or DMs or whatever you guys have. If you want some more information, if you're not, if you're not um, in the Indianapolis area, if you're in the Midwest area, they haven't actually officially announced this yet, but I'm actually going to be the Great Lakes Divisional TT Administrator, so I'll be able to help you if you're just in the Midwest area. And if you're outside of that, I could probably still point you in the right direction, but if you're like in California, I probably have no idea what's going on out there. <laughs> hey, congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, more work, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more trying to get – it's mostly just trying to get everyone on the same page because we all have the same common goals. We're just trying to get all the other regions to work together. Yeah. So, um, the Ohio has a, a time trial event coming up here at the end of uh, April. Yeah. Yeah. Are you helping out with that at all? I'm not, but all I can say at this point is – well, I'm going to obviously push on our social media because I do like what you guys have going on. So if other, other of our members want to go out there, I'm going to make sure they're aware that it's going on, but I will likely be at the October event as long as I do not blow my car up. 
before <laughs> then. <laughs> well, let me let me know because Nelson's uh, about thirty five minutes from my house, so. Um, I really want to. I have some friends from Pittsburgh still that may or may not want to do car things that see the stuff that I'm doing. And I might be able to drag them out there. Oh, yeah. So and there, there's a so the last uh, event we had in um, in October, there's quite a few guys from Pittsburgh. Um, I've had uh, I think just one of them has been on the show. But uh, yeah, it was great to have a bunch of guys come over from Steel Cities and, and support that event. We had, a, we had a good time. Um, all right, so I have two more questions for you, Vinny. Is there anything we didn't cover that you wanted to talk about? Um, I think that's pretty much my main point. I don't really have the most interesting story, but it just kind of drive home the point that you don't really, it doesn't really take much to get started. And just, I just gotta say, like, don't sit around and try to like, finish your car and all this other stuff because if I would have sat around waiting on my Integra like I was going to do before I bought the Miata I would have missed out on four years of driving because I mean I've looked back and I'm like I've had a thing since 2018 it doesn't need a whole lot but man I missed out I would have missed out on four years of fun had I sat around to go like, oh, needs this or it needs that I mean just take what you got make sure it's safe and get out there I think that is some of the best advice that we've had on the podcast. So when you say you don't have the most interesting story, uh, your story is exactly what our listeners need to hear. Because the whole reason I started this mm -hmm. podcast was to share the stories and inspiration of folks like you that can explain, listen, you can go from a little boy in Pittsburgh doing laps around his parents' car in the driveway to <laughs> being in, heavily involved in, in the region and putting on events, having a car on track, building a car for endurance racing. So that's exactly what the listeners need to hear. So I appreciate you sharing that. So the one last question I have is, have you ever been late to grid? Um, actual grid? No. Yeah. Um, board meetings, planning meetings? Yes. And probably I know I've, I, I did get tipped off in the other podcasts. I was going to ask or be asked this. And <laughs> My story is I was supposed to be the impound chief for a national tour autocross. And my girlfriend at the time was working registration and I was working night shift. And so I didn't get home till like three in the morning. She's like, are you going to go out early? And I was like, no, I'm going to get another hour of sleep. And I wake up to my phone ringing. It's like, where are you? Where are you? I wake up. It's like 9 a.m. And I'm like, uh, she's like, you didn't leave yet, did you? And I was like, I'll be there. I like jumped in my CRX because I thought I might be able to get some fun runs at the end of the day. Didn't check the gas on it. Started driving to Grism. And I never really ran it low because if you that car, if you get below half of the tank, it like fuel starves at autocross, but around the hard corner. So I always ran it at like three quarters of a tank or higher. And I'm like, I can see the water tower. If you're familiar with the area, there's a huge water tower at the entrance. But you can see it about 10 miles from the entrance. So I'm getting close and I'm about a mile from a gas station. I'm like, I'm pretty low on gas here. I probably need to stop. And then all of a sudden it starts misfiring. Oh man. <laughs> I ran it out of gas, like three miles from Grissom, uh -huh. <laughs> like a half a mile from the gas station. And I had to call her and I'm like, can you go get a gas can and <laughs> pick me up? <laughs> oh my God. It was just like super embarrassing. And it's just, I hate working night shifts. So 
if you're ever late to grid and you do work night shift and you tell me that i'll probably have a soft spot for it <laughs> <laughs> yeah well Vinny, that, was, that was a great story and um hey every i'm so happy you're on the podcast i'm glad we put this together you're like i said your story and what you shared here is spot on for what folks in a, that are up and comers in our our community need to hear. So thanks a lot for being on the Late to Grid podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Hopefully I can get out to Nelson Ledges in October and maybe we can meet in person. For sure. Yeah, I look forward to it. Talking with Vinny is why I love producing this podcast. His energy and ideas are contagious. I hope that every region has a Vinny. Please see the show notes for links to him and to the region's social media channels. Give him a follow so that you can keep tabs on what the region is up to. Okay, now for the sponsors. Chris at LMS EFI is ready to get your car's engine management and data logger system ready for the season. Why use Chris? Well, he was on the podium this past weekend at NCM with NASA Great Lakes. Want to win? You need to call Chris. Check out his link in the show notes. Radair in Wycliffe, Ohio is ready to help you finish your track car project. We'll help you with tires, brakes, fluids, suspension, and alignments. I'm going to have Marlon Sumlin on very soon to share some more details and exciting updates that they have in store for racers in Ohio and Western Pennsylvania. Also, Radair sells Amsoil. Check the show notes for details to learn more. Track First has been busy. I've been there a few times this month and the phone is ringing and the showroom is busy. Thank you for supporting them. Contact them if you need anything for you or your car. Helmet, seat, harness, net, and much more. Track-first.com is how you learn more. Now, can you do me two favors? First, I'd love a five-star review on your favorite podcast listening app. These reviews help promote the podcast, and that means more people will explore and learn about our sport. Second, please tell a friend about the podcast. Oh, and don't be late to grid.